Wise men say only fools, only fools podcast. But I, <laughs> but can't I can't help, help podcasting <laughs> about rom coms. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Cobbs, and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> Max, how are you doing today? Surviving the cabin fever, buddy. How about you? Yeah, uh, ditto. Uh, it's finally above freezing for the first time in Chicago. within like three weeks here in Chicago. Yeah, I was able to um, sit by the windows without having some frost build up on my shoulder. Yeah, I was able to, you know, sleep in my bed without my nose being completely frozen. <laughs> Uh, so I've, that was all good. I've literally woken up to like just a sheet of ice on my windows. <laughs> really, guys? Come on. It's <laughs> just come on. Come on, guys. Come on. Seriously? Come on. Yeah. Come on. This is the uh this is the part of living in Chicago that you you pay your penance here uh this time of year. So that living for the you, summer. You, you get the summers. Yes. This mm-hmm. is your penance. Mm-hmm. This is the time of year where it's your penance. So this I just is the like shit to give show. A, I'd like to give a quick shout out and fuck you to Puxatani Phil. You <laughs> supposedly saw an early spring coming. <laughs> oh, you got me right as I was taking a sip. <laughs> <laughs> you lying sack of shit groundhog. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, some say it's foolish to expect the groundhog to predict the weather patterns. But you know what? Only fools rush in. You darn right, fools rush in. That's the movie we watched this week. Um, a 1997 rom-com starring Matthew Perry at the peak of his powers. His friends is the biggest show on TV at the time. And Selma Hayek at the peak of her powers in her 20s and stupid hot. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is a movie that I chose uh, and I've seen once uh, all the way through. Of course, I was only nine when it came out. We were nine when it came out. Um, so, jeez. Yeah. So I did world like, yeah, I didn't quite grasp a lot of it. I just remembered, you know, the the big parts of the film, like the big you know gags and jokes right um but my mom had it on vhs my sister monica this is one of her favorite rom-coms as well she's seen it a bunch of times um nice and my mom especially you know has a little bit of a relationship with it and we'll go into all the ways this movie connects to my family (laughs) here in a little bit uh max you hadn't seen this one before right no, I don't think I've ever even heard of it. Uh, I legitimately didn't know he ever made this movie. 
I think the only <laughs> movies I've ever seen him in also co-starred with Bruce Willis. So, yeah, <laughs> that he is. Yeah, the short time Matthew Perry was a leading man before his, uh, you know, his addiction to booger sugar kind of <laughs> kicked him out of leading roles. Uh, well, let's talk about the stats of the film here real quick. Uh, Fools Rush In is a 1997 American romantic comedy starring Matthew Perry and Sama Hayek, and it's directed by Andy Tennant. Does that name sound familiar? Kind of, but not enough for me to know. Well, he is the director of multiple rom-coms, including two that we've already reviewed. Really? Sweet Home Alabama. Ah. And Hitch. Oh, yeah! Yeah. Fucking Uh, Hitch. Dude, that was so fucking long ago. That was the pilot episode of this particular podcast. Which was over a year ago. You know, it's it's actually been enough that literally this morning I was like looking through the list of films and stuff that we've already covered and crossing some off that I forgot to mark off. Mm-hmm. And I was like looking down. I kept going down the list and I was like, wait a minute. Did we do this one? I don't. Did we watch this one? I don't even remember. <laughs> and then I like I actually had to go back through our episodes, and I'm like, oh yeah, we reviewed this one back in on this date, and oh yeah, that was right around this was happening. Like, yep. damn, we've, we've gotten to that point in the podcast. Yes, we have. We've put in work for sure. No, um, I don't. I don't know if it's. I don't, I don't know if we call it work, but that's fair. You know, <laughs> when, you, when you do when you do something you love, you know exactly. It's yeah. Um, the, uh, movie was written by Catherine Reback and Joan Taylor. Mm, I'm not okay. sure who they are. Nope. Um, and then, uh, the movie was released on February 14th of 1997. Huh. So it was released on Valentine's day. So this actually, you know, we're reviewing it right around when it was released. Uh, yeah. 24 right. years ago. I'd say those are the signs pointing in that. <laughs> those are signs. All those are signs. signs yes. All signs. Uh, running time is 109 minutes. Okay. Um, it does not show a budget. Although I thought I had saw, I thought I had seen on Rotten Tomatoes that it was around 20 million as far as a budget. Now, but how much did it make in the box office? Hmm. 120 million. It made 42 million in the box office. I guessed way too high. Yes, it wasn't a huge success. Uh, in fact, it wasn't much of a success. Um, the fact that Matthew Perry and Selma Hayek are really your only two known actors in this film kind of shows you what kind of budget they were working with. So, um, hmm. yeah. And also, they were filming in Vegas mostly, and, and like they did have a little bit of New York, but they were mostly filming in Vegas. So, yeah, there's probably they saved some money probably filming in Vegas. But nonetheless, I'm kind of surprised it didn't. I mean, yeah, wasn't Selma Hayek pretty? I mean, this was shortly after Desperado. 
Um, and Matthew Perry and friends, like you have two decent leads. I'm kind of surprised it didn't do better. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, from dusk to dawn, till dawn also happened a uh, year before this one. So, yeah, I mean, she was known for being extremely attractive, but she wasn't really known for her acting. So this was the first time she was actually like in a rom-com and not necessarily like a rom-drama or an action film or anything like that. And mm. was, and it was more about acting and like telling jokes and everything else like that. Gotcha. Um, All right. Well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll give you guys a pass this time. So uh, there's 28 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for this film. Okay. What is the Rotten Tomatoes score? 38%. It is a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, damn. Yeah, so it's not considered fresh. Uh, it doesn't have a, a, a critic's consensus for some reason. Um, hmm. <laughs> that bad, huh? <laughs> I, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Mike Clark of the USA Today, he wrote about this film. Uh, take away the ethnic pregnancy angles, and we've seen this premise countless times, all the way back to the spate of post-World War II romances about returning veterans and the mates they married in a blink. Hmm. While Roger Ebert gave it three out of four, and he actually gave it a positive review. Uh, Fool's Rush In is a sweet, entertaining retread of an ancient formula in which opposites attract despite all the forces arrayed to push them apart. Okay. I think that might be a first where I actually agree with Roger Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a solid review. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those are pretty much the only two reviews that are shown here on Rotten Tomatoes. So you can see how quote unquote forgettable this film is amongst the general public. Yeah. Um, that a lot of people don't really know it. Like if you bring it up now, people probably, the first thing people probably think is Matthew Perry started a rom-com. Yeah. I mean, like last <laughs> week when you told me what we were watching, I, I went and looked it up. I'm like, what the fuck? Selma Hayek and Matthew Perry. I feel like this is a movie I should know, but I really don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the film takes place in multiple, or like two main locations, but mostly it takes place in Las Vegas. And Vegas. It, fucking Vegas. Was, Let me just get this was, out there right now. It's my yeah. fucking birthplace. Fuck that shithole. But also <laughs> it has a special place in my heart. <laughs> Vegas. I love Vegas. I love the strip. I even like the outskirt parts of it. I love like the parts that the locals know that are just like, where it's just a, it's barren except for the random spots that the fucking locals know of. You know what I mean? Like there, there's, it's just, 
there's this weird dirty vibe to it but i dig it at the same time yeah it's good for a getaway to escape to it's good for the purpose that it serves for most people yeah i agree i agree like it i mean i i look at it as you know in the view of a tourist sort of yeah like i couldn't i don't think i could you know be there for longer than like a year yeah you know but even even um, after like a four five day trip by the end of it you're kind of like it feels like your soul needs a little bit of a wash yeah that was that was the first trip to vegas for me oh yeah yeah (laughs) first trip is always gonna be fucking eye-opening like that oh man the first trip to vegas uh i told you during the film but i'll i'll say it now like first off whatever happens in vegas stays in vegas is bullshit there's social media (laughs) and also everyone has this fucking vegas story and tells that vegas story all the damn time oh and so yeah it's a fun it's a fun tagline for what happens in vegas stays in vegas but it's a bunch of bullshit exactly you know it's it's with a wink you know it's not gonna stay like yeah, you say that almost to like entice the story out of you, you know, like exactly. Right, come, come on, don't you want to ask me more? Come on, I got a story. I got yeah. a story. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas as long as what you're doing isn't illegal. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is a much smaller percentage than you would think, as far as <laughs> people who are able to tell stories that aren't illegal. <laughs> I am in that percentage. I didn't, I don't do illegal shit. So yeah, I, when I first went out there, it, I was, uh, it was after graduating college. So 23. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause it was the summer. Cause it was the summer after, uh, my first year out of college. So like, I got a job, like an actual like call center job in uh, January uh, after graduating. So we graduated college in 2010, January of 11. I get a call center job that pays me more than I'd been paid for any sort of job before. And so I actually have a little bit of money to, you know, fuck around with. And then my you know best friend from high school I've been hanging out with since I've been back home, uh, like he's like yeah my girlfriend and her family are going to vegas they want me to go with do you want to come with us like we can like you and i can kind of be tag alongs while she's like doing shit with the family and i I have someone to hang out with yeah it just i was basically like the extra wheel um and so i go along and we go to vegas and we stayed at the stratosphere and I just remember that first experience, just drinking a whole bunch, like leaving on a Friday night to Vegas and then coming back Monday night. Oh, you did so the we, you did the extended weekend, the extended weekend. Yeah. yeah. So we had all Saturday, all Sunday and then Monday and also started drinking once we got to the casino at fr- on Friday, because, of course, you get there Friday night at like 11 p.m. It doesn't. It's 11 p.m. The night's just started. Yeah. Like, no, you don't like you we're, don't go to going, fucking bed. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to bed. I'm gonna sit at a slot and I'm gonna drink. <laughs> like that's you know, 
granted, we may stay in this hotel that we're staying in, but I will be gambling until six in the morning, which I ended up doing. I think I was like drunk as fuck at the crap table at like four in the morning that night. Jesus. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I think and what I turned like 80 to 240 at the crap table, just <laughs> watching. <laughs> and I remember this one drunk dude who was at the craft table. He just, he was like loud as obnoxious as fuck just at the game, just throwing dice and he kept yelling and he kept yelling, can I get a cocktail? (laughs) (laughs) He just, and so he's like every two or three dice rolls. Like he was funny though. He wasn't like douchey or anything. He just drunk as fuck throwing dice and just like, can I get a cocktail? (laughs) He's just like waiting for the waitress to come through. Oh, man. That craps table was good to me because like I went back there like two days later and then there's this other dude who's like, he sounded like he was from like Mississippi or somewhere down south and whenever he threw the dice, he'd go, he'd yell out, hey, yo, Bo! Which, and then I found out just from chatting at the table that a yo is the slang for an, an 11 when you throw an 11 at the craps table. Really? And yeah. So when you throw your very first roll, if you roll a seven or an 11, that's an automatic win for the pass line. Oh. And then the, and then the eleven's like extra, like you could make extra bets on the 11 because it's a harder roll to get because of, you know, probability. So you can win more money on that bet. So this guy just kept trying to roll 11s and every fucking roll, even when it was like an automatic win, he'd yell, hey, yo, Bo, and he'd throw it. <laughs> and then there's this other dude who, uh, whenever he threw the dice, he'd somehow in the same motion, throw the dice and snap all in one motion. What the fuck? Like he'd throw it and snap. Yeah. And just like, you know, just That's like a, nuts. Like you just kind of throw it side and just like pow and like every fucking roll. It was the crazy shit. <laughs> like it's just like at the stratosphere, like late morning, early afternoon, Sunday stratosphere craps table is uh a, it's a it's a scene. <laughs> like it's a, you find some characters at that craps table at that five dollar limit craps table. It's just like you find the real ones. You did, know any what I'm of, did any of them have have oxygen tanks? No, no, right. no. Right. That's a lively Friday night for you then. Yeah. Well, that Friday night was the cocktail guy. The Sunday was the Oh two. right, right. Yeah. Um no, Saturday I tried to play crafts at the Golden Nugget in, in Fremont and I was trashed and I lost money very quickly. I lost basically all that I had won from the previous night. And then the Sunday morning, I basically won all that I had lost again. So <laughs> it was, it was quite the weekend, uh, let alone all my drunken exploits, but those are the gambling exploits. And that's where I'll, I'll, I'll end my Vegas story here. What's, Do you have a Vegas story? Well, what's fucking crazy is you're telling me that I'm realizing I still, someone who was born in that city, who has visited it many times since, I've never been to Fremont. Oh, wow. I, I just now realized, I'm like, fuck, I still have never actually seen that in person. I only went once, and it was the that very first trip. 
and we were only there one night and it was the Saturday that we were there and we went Saturday night. Um, I, <laughs> I made, and I made the very 23 year old stupid mistake. Um, when we decided to go get hurricanes at like the Bayou casino, like toward the back part of the Fremont street okay. experience, there was one that was literally like fruit punch, vodka, and Everclear. Holy shit. That sounds amazing and deadly. Yeah. And then they offered like for $3, you could get three extra shots. Uh, Jesus. And, or like for $5 or something like that. And I asked the 23 year old stupidly who had been drinking all day, mind you, because we we did the thing, the touristy thing where we as a group walked through every casino on the strip to just like take pictures and see what. It oh, all you have like. to. You have to. And then, yeah. And Trent and I, my buddy, he and I decided that we were going to buy 32 ounce drinks and drink them. And then when oh, we the, went out, the, uh, the Fat Tuesday ones. Well, no, just wherever. So oh. like the first one we the first one we got was like at like uh the it was at like the Venetian or something. Like we found a place and like we grabbed one and it was like a just thirty-two like you could find a thirty-two ounce drink anywhere. You know, the first one we got actually was a margarita at uh uh Treasure Island. There Ooh. was a because Treasure Island has these it was maybe the best margarita I've ever had, and it was in a thirty-two ounce cup. <laughs> like <laughs> literally the <laughs> Finest margarita I've ever drank in my Dude, goddamn life. Those margaritas well, no, no, on the strip. The second one. Oh, that yeah. was the second. The second greatest. The first one I had was um, when I was when I went to Mexico when I was twenty, and my ex brother in law found this bottle of tequila for fifteen dollars at a Walmart that had a hand etching on the glass, and that was the greatest tequila I've ever had in my life. Yeah, and it made the greatest margarita I ever had in my life. But no, this is the second greatest one. The best one I've ever had in the United States was at the Treasure Island. And it was a 32-ounce margarita that they put Grand Marnier in. So, like, that's how you do it was a high-class margarita. And then on top of that, they put gummy worms in that shit. What the fuck? And it was fucking amazing. It was the greatest shit ever. Yeah, it was a fantastic margarita. And I pounded that shit after I'd already pre-gamed. And then... My buddy Trent and I went and got another 32 ounce drink, a frozen margarita at like a random like bar in the Venetian. And so we have like 64 ounce of margarita in us after we had already pre-gamed. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to go out to dinner and then we're going to go to Fremont. And then when we get to Fremont, after I like had a couple of beers at dinner, then I decide I'm going to get that fucking hurricane with the Everclear and the vodka. Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, spoiler spoiler alert i did not finish that shit i voluntarily threw it away because it was absolutely not able to be consumed the shot the extra shots of yeah basically ruined it uh the fact that i got through it was basically like there's a pool like a big old circle on the bottom and then a very tall like yard part of it of course like all of them are but like this one wasn't like equally distributed all the way through the height it was a very skinny tall part and then it all like went down to the bottom i just got through that tall part and then by the time i got to the bottom it's like i'm not fucking with this anymore i don't (laughs) this is bad um and then so luckily i got back to the hotel 
Um, I and then we had a late meal at the diner, and then I fell asleep in the diner. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, and then when I woke up, I left like forty bucks for my <laughs> meal, and I like I, that was probably like maybe ten. I was just uh, I think this covers it. I just went Jesus. back to my room. Uh, yeah, that's Vegas. Fucking Vegas, <laughs> man. Fucking Vegas. That's only the first one. The the second trip had some stories too, but I'm not going to go there. That involve, uh, you know, the res- the resident Reese Witherspoon expert. Oh yeah, Mark. yeah, yeah. My trips oh, were always God. so much different. <laughs> I was, I was always the, um, I was the weird nerdy like dad of the trip. Where I was like, I was more interested in the experiences. Like I wanted to go see shows and I wanted to like look at the cool buildings and the lights and drink the big drinks and sit under like, you know, the luxurious cabana under or near the luxurious pool. So I was always about the experiences and I never really got the fucked up side of Vegas until... (laughs) The last time I was in Vegas, you know a story I'm going to tell now. Oh, you're really going to tell it? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's not not a good fucked up, though. No, no, it's not. It's not. But it's got to be told. It's got to be told. Okay, tell it, man. This is is the therapy. Oh. (laughs) So, So... This is this is what happens when you go there so many times in a row without anything happening, with it being pretty tame. It all kind of just groups together into one experience. Eventually, it just it waits. So uh, I took a trip there. What was that? Two two years. Come on, yeah, two summers ago. Yeah, two it, summers it, ago. It, so technically, a year and a half ago. Yeah, because it was it was right before, uh, or it was right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right yeah. after, uh, right after Katie's wedding. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're right. It was the same trip. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's that trip started off so well. It yeah. Like Katie's we wedding. Agreed that was the highlight of the trip. <laughs> it was the right highlight of the it trip. Was the very, it was literally the first weekend of the trip that was going to last an entire week. Oh, God. And then I ended up getting <laughs> a, a, a kidney infection yep. or a UTI, basically. Yep. And then I and, spent a week with my parents who uh, bickered with each other the whole time. And then I capped it off with a trip to Vegas for the weekend before going home where I was going to meet up with my two grad school friends, one of whom was getting married and this was his bachelor party. Mm -hmm. So the three of us were reuniting. We hadn't seen each other in a while. Um, The guy who was getting married, uh, his name was Ben. I, I worked with him at the time. So we knew each other and we were still in touch with each other, but our other friend had moved out to the Bay area. So we hadn't seen him. And I I think since he moved out there, um, like a couple years earlier. So this was like a nice little reunion. And there's a big group of guys at this thing. It's probably 10 people in this group. And 
my buddy Aaron and I, the Bay Area guy and I, are always kind of like in the shadows just watching the rest of them get shit-faced. Not like alcoholic shit-faced, like every, everything else. Like cocaine, <laughs> like shit I'd never heard of. Like it was everything. And and Aaron and I are sitting there going, all right, this is this is entertaining as fuck to watch, but you know, I don't need to partake. So we're kind of just keeping a, a chill vibe you never, in the corner. You I was blown cocaine in your butt. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really want to suck tequila out of some girl's ass. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But uh but I was in the mood to sit there and smoke a joint while everyone else is, you know, having their good time. And <laughs> So I, Aaron and I are perfectly content with the chill vibe we got going on already in the weekend. That was the Friday night, Saturday morning. We all get up and we had, we had established the night before as Aaron and I leave their, their big sweet hotel room, Aaron and I go off to our room. We're like, all right, we're going to head to bed. We'll see you guys in the morning and we're going to go to the pool. We'll wake up, go straight to the pool. We'll grab some brunch after that and then go like spend the whole day at the pool and just get trashed. Like, yeah, it sounds great. So Aaron and I get up, we go to the pool, no one's around. We haven't heard from anyone or anything. Finally get a call from one of the other men in the group, and he's like, So Ben the groom got kidnapped. And I'm like, are we in the hangover? Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> you, can't, you can't pull that shit. I've seen that movie. He's like, no, we took him to a strip club late last night after you guys went to bed. And then they held him for ransom until we paid him $400. And we're like $50 short. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? What the shit? So eventually, at some point, they they got him out somehow. They got 50 bucks. They got him out. They bring him to the pool. He, <laughs> he looks like shit. So we're like, dude, we're going to cheer you up. I don't know what the hell has happened. Aaron and I have been here just chilling and vibing. It's, it's a beautiful day out. Let's get it. Let's get some, let's get you a drink. Let's get you in the pool. We spent four hours in that pool. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. It was fun. It was good music. We were trashed. Aaron and I were not trashed. We had only had four drinks over four hours. So we were, tipsy but we weren't we were easily the most sober of the group all of a sudden i'm like not feeling right so i tell aaron i'm like i'm gonna head back to the room like i i don't feel good and he's like actually i don't feel good either i'm gonna head back with you i figure i'm just hot like i'm like i'm not used to this fucking heat anymore I'm, it's been a while since i lived here so mm -hmm. so we both head off and as we literally as we're stepping away from the water like both of us lose our footing and we're like falling. And so we're like grasping at each other. Like we're like, we're absolutely hammered. Like we can't stand up. And like, we're stumbling, holding on to each other all the way back to the room saying things like, I don't think we drink that much. What the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm. Get back to the room. He lies down on the bed and is like in pain. I start passing out on the floor and like cannot move my limbs anymore. Like I, I am just like on the floor. Like I felt paralyzed. It was nuts. I was like, I all of a sudden I like can't bring myself to like leave the floor. And, and Aaron just starts screaming. What is happening to us? And he gets on the phone with, 
his wife, who's a doctor. And he's panicking. He starts crying. He's like, I don't know what's going on, baby. Like, could you tell me? He starts describing everything. I figure he's got everything under control. So I start like wobbling over towards the bathroom. I should say rolling. What I could do. And (laughs) by the time I get over there, Aaron has hung up the phone because now he's projectile vomiting all over the room. I get into the bathroom just in time to do the other side of the equation. (laughs) Goodness. That happened for three fucking hours. At one point, we ordered food and blacked out because we woke up to room service that we didn't remember ordering. <laughs> oh. So we also woke up at like 4 a.m. And I hobbled my way down to like the casino floor to find a vending machine to get us water because we were so fucking dehydrated. Oh. Get back up. And I'm like, so would you tell me what your wife said it was? And he's like, "It's we got fucking roofied. I was like, how the fuck did we get roofied? We had four drinks and we watched them get made in front of us and they never left our hands. And he's like, I think our waters got roofied. So moral of the story, if you ever fucking go to a Vegas pool, don't have water around you, I guess. But. Yep. Fucking Christ. And so then we did some asking around and apparently that was like a new trend even at that point that we were there that they would target guys and then follow them back to their rooms to rob them. So it's probably a damn good thing. Aaron and I left the pool together. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucked up? I mean, it, every time we tell the story, it's it's as it's as if not more fucked up. So, uh, so weird. So yeah. I don't know why they, I don't know why they don't call it Flories myself. <laughs> what fuck? What's that from? That's from The Hangover. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a. That's a much different experience than much different. Uh, yours yeah, yours is my, a much my, happier experience. Yeah. Well, and even then, also, I had the same kind of bachelor party experience where. I myself joined up with our resident Reese Witherspoon expert, Matt. Uh, I joined up with him and he was a part of a bachelor party for a guy that I knew through Matt, um, who I'm friends with now, Chris. Uh, He was having his bachelor party in Vegas. So I, you know, I knew of the groom and I knew, uh, I knew one other guy who was there and I knew Matt. And then the rest of the party, I had, I didn't know them at all. So Matt and I are basically turning it into like our buddy trip. And we just so happen to be kind of attached to them as well. <laughs> like right. that sort of thing. Um, so kind of the same way that you and Aaron were attached to the rest of the group. Right. Um, well, the thing with <laughs> Matt and I, we, uh, we got there at, uh, during a heat wave. Oh. So we're staying in the Luxor 
and it when I land there, it's 110 degrees. Fuck. When I left, uh, it was a quick trip. I landed there Friday morning, left Sunday morning. So basically had two nights there. Like, But Sunday morning when I left, it was, uh, I left the hotel like 5 a.m. in a cab. And it was 98 degrees. Ugh. Isn't that fucking disgusting? Like, that's it's not how even, hot. Like the sun is even fucking was. up yet. It's yeah. dark out. It looks like it's it's 5 a.m. It looks like it should be cold. And you step yes. outside and it's 98 fucking degrees. And it's that. Ooh, it, it, but it's dry heat. Fuck off. Yes. It's still so, like anything over yeah. 90 is fucking gross. Yeah. So at this point, it's the... You know, Reese Witherspoon expert's first Vegas trip himself. It's my second because I've already told you about the first one. Um, and so that first, you know, when I get there, you know, I put the bags in the room that we're staying in. And then we immediately like, all right, let's, uh, you know, we've heard, we've talked to people who've been there before and everything else. And we're just like, all right, let's go, you know, let's go get some food and then game plan. And after we get some food, we decide to break off two of us and go get 100-ounce drinks from Fat Tuesdays. <laughs> because a mutual friend of ours, uh, Robbie, he and, he and uh, his now wife, uh, they did that when they went to Vegas before us and found out that they have 100-ounce mugs that you can get drinks in. Mm-hmm. And... We were still at the age where we were like, we could drink anything and any quantity. It'd be okay. Uh, so of course, of course you're invincible. I, I of course smartly choose margaritas because obviously that's my go-to it's in my blood. Um, <laughs> Matt sees a drink called 180 octane. Jesus. Hot quiz, hot shot. What could 180 octane possibly be? Fucking kill you. That's what it was going to do. How about the 180 proof Everclear? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> like, so it's basically Everclear and orange juice. Oh. It's basically a screwdriver with, with Everclear. It's, yeah. And, oh, my God. And so... I immediately tell Matt about my Everclear experience the Las Vegas trip and also tell him this you need to choose a different drink. Like you're you're half my size. And I know you can drink, but you're still half my damn size. Knowing you Matt, that probably get, made him want to do yeah. it more, right? And yeah, he said it because he had just gotten engaged at this point. So this was his de facto bachelor party as well. So he's like, dude, it's my bachelor party. You said you'd buy me whatever drink I wanted. That's what I'm choosing. <laughs> Fine, you asshole. So <laughs> I, buy, I buy the drink. We proceed to walk as much as we can, which basically means across the sky bridges between the MGM properties. Yep. So we literally just do a lap through the MGM properties and we stop at whatever slot machine we want to stop at and play slots. We stop at the MGM Grand Sportsbook and we start randomly talking to these Australian dudes who see our drinks and they're just like, where the fuck are you getting those? <laughs> and so we start talking to them about that. 
I noticed one of them was wearing like an Australian football jersey. So I started talking to him about Australian football, which is the fucking best. Um, and then uh, and basically we keep drinking these drinks. At one point, Matt didn't finish his drink. He basically poured most of it into a trash can and then he <laughs> traded and he traded someone. They had a 32 ounce container. He basically poured 32 ounces of his drink into that container and then sold the 100 ounce to that person for basically sticker price because he could refill it. <laughs> and so that person was gonna refill Jesus. It. So he basically turned this gift <laughs> into a profit for himself drunkenly because that's what Matt does. <laughs> that's that's who Matt is because that's why I love him. <laughs> so, um, so then all of a sudden I see him and I'm like, where the fuck's your 100 ounce drink? He's like, I sold it. Like, who the fuck buys a half drink drink? It's like, no, I sold the container. It's like, what the fuck happened? And and then and also I had uh taken out like four hundred dollars of cash to gamble with for the two days. Uh I proceed to as I get drunker to lose all four hundred in slot machines. <laughs> of course. So by the time we get back with the rest of the group, they want to like meet up before they go get dinner. And so it's like seven o'clock. We show up. Uh, I wore a, like an orange shirt and I sweat through it basically. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm drinking and it's 150 degrees outside. Matt, even though he didn't drink his whole drink, uh, is drunk as shit because obviously he is. It's 180 octane. And we meet up with the rest of the group before, like, to game plan what we're doing for dinner. And I remember one of our buddy Justin, he looks at us and he goes, the fuck happened to you guys? <laughs> like, how concerned. He's like concerned. Like, what the fuck happened to you guys? And, I, and then I just look at him like, we've just been walking and drinking. Vegas, man. Vegas. We just been walking and drinking. It's like Jesus, you guys look wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> and so and we're just like we shrug, like I don't know. <laughs> um, and then basically, I I'm like, well, look, we're gonna go back to the room, and yeah, because I notice Matt is like less and less responsive to people saying his name. So I'm just like, okay, <laughs> let me go ahead and just get him back to the room. And so um, we get back, we get into an elevator and then Matt sees someone wearing a Kevin Garnett Boston Celtics jersey. Oh boy. And for no reason whatsoever, it's just like, Kevin Garnett sucks. <laughs> <laughs> As we're in the elevator going to our room, and I'm just like, yeah, he's, he's drunk. Sorry. <laughs> don't, don't worry about him. And I fucking get him back to the room. It's 7.15. I remember seeing the clock. I get him back to the room. I'm like, let's just chill here. Let's maybe order some room service and just eat here. Get some water in us. And then just see how we feel in like three hours. And we want to go back out. I get, I lay him down. On, like I get him to the bed. He lays down. I take a piss. I come back out. He's asleep. He's just asleep. Just done. It's like, shoot. I at least take his shoes off. And like, 
but he's asleep in his clothes. <laughs> like just he's done. <laughs> it's over. And so I literally go out. I decided instead of order room service, I like go to the food court in the Luxor, buy food, bring it back. Good call. Eat it. All that sort of shit. And and it's like 9 30, 10 o'clock before you know the rest of the group like tells me what their plan is or whatever. And they're like, hey, what's Matt up to? Uh he's asleep. <laughs> he slept from 7:15. To seven the next morning. Damn. He slept 12 hours. He, he slept through all of his Friday night in Vegas. Because he got he tried to fuck with 180 octane. Jesus. So the moral of the story of these Vegas stories that we've taken up 40 minutes of this podcast on before we even talked about the movie. <laughs> That's true. Is don't drink Everclear. And don't drink water at pool parties yeah just be careful drinking in the fucking heat be careful what you consume yeah. <laughs> just be careful what you consume yeah all right that's that's the moral of the story of vegas. vegas will fucking sneak up on you yes and it's not gonna like tap you on the shoulder it's gonna fuck you in the ass like an unplanned pregnancy like an unplanned the unplanned bed 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh! Someone Uh-oh. <laughs> check your water. Check your water. Fuck. Uh, Fuck. Damn you, Lacroix! <laughs> you got me again. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> All right. Um, so <laughs> the film. Oh yeah, so we movie. watched the movie. Yeah, we watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. So. The... <laughs> Uh, so as I mentioned, my mom loved this film, and my sister Monica loves this film. And you didn't just, that. yeah, his because being of Mexican lineage, yeah, I, I love very, how we we focused on the Las Vegas. You felt more at home in the Vegas plot than you did to the Mexican connection <laughs> in this movie. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. I think they were equal. Okay. Because uh, I mean, I I mentioned to you how I I missed like those get-togethers, the fucking the party that they go to it when she tells him she, uh, she's pregnant, and then he goes with her to the family get-together that they have once a week. Now it wasn't once a week. It was usually just like holidays, maybe a birthday or something. Um, but Keith my dad said. My dad's side of the family, back when I used to talk to my dad. Um, but growing up, on my dad's side of the family, my extended family, which was a lot of uncles and and aunts, or excuse me, tios y tias, uh, and a lot of primos y primas. Uh, uh, cousins. Fuck, my junior year Spanish is coming back. <laughs> uh, you know, basically, that was, that was the the gig there where it's just like, I had, uh, I still don't know how many siblings my dad has. He's like one of like seven or eight. I think those Catholic families, yeah. man. Yeah, dude. It like, so like that whole cath, the Catholic background and everything else, like that's completely a hundred percent. That rang a hundred percent true to me. Yeah. I completely understood it. Um, and I think that's probably why this movie didn't do so well. in, in the box office is because they didn't really, do a great job of 
marketing it toward the proper market, you know, which is like, I, I am that very small thin slice in the Venn diagram of. Yeah. But I think, I think you're still on, I think you still have a point that they could have marketed it to a different, yeah, or at least a, a few other audiences in addition to they kind, yeah. they kind of just yeah they whitewashed um, like, they they whitewashed a little bit and also just a bit also just yeah they they're i don't know I, yeah i'm not sure what else they could have done i guess because it rang out true as far as the mexican part of this film um it just and even the jokes that they had and everything else it all felt like home to me um, and then my mom, she didn't have a great relationship with my grandma, her mom. Um, there were definitely issues there, Yeah. but my, my mom loved her grandma, my great grandma. Mm. Um, and she, and she lived in Mexico. So, so much like my this mom. Movie. Yeah, my mom remembered going across the border and staying with her and, you know, doing all the things. And basically, so when my mom would watch this film, she would always get memories of spending time with her grandma in Mexico. Because mm. it, she basically, she's like, it was exactly like that. Hmm. As far as like those, those scenes, those parts, like that relationship, everything else. The Hacienda. And so... Yeah, in in uh, Aguascalientes, hot waters. Hmm. Uh, yeah, or I think hot springs, maybe. I think probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably. Yeah. Um. And then, and and also just the kiss on the cheek of the great grandma to to Alex. Yeah. And when he, that is one hundred and fifty thousand percent. Mexican grandma energy right there. That's awesome. Just the, the grabbing of the face and the, and oh, just that, like when he, when he got that cosign, it was like, dog, you can go commit murder right now and you're going to get Scott, get off scot free. You're fucking golden. You got, you're good. You're good right now. It's everything's okay right now because you got the cosign from her. <laughs> you know, it, that's it's all just, you need. Yeah, it like as far as all of that part of this film, for me specifically, it just really touched to my life experience and being Mexican, which is something I'm very proud of, even if I don't necessarily know how to speak Spanish or, you know, have my, uh, you know, brown pride tattoo anywhere. <laughs> um, well, I, th- so, I think I think that's yeah. I think it's cool for for anyone to, I mean, everyone's journey through their own heritage is going to be different. So, I mean, there are those people that are, that get born into that knowledge of their, their family and their heritage right away. They get exposed to it and they grow up with it. And then there's people like us that, you know, grow up in families that have been more Americanized and, uh, you know, we don't really, we don't really start appreciating it until we're older and we look back and we say, Oh, okay. It's kind of nice to appreciate some of the things that make me who I am. Mm -hmm. Give me a little bit more of a nice root and foundation here. Mm -hmm. And 
And then also, I think that's a big reason why Isabel is so damn attractive in this film. <laughs> like, I want to, I want to be married to Isabel. Like I, I don't like. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> just like I could, you know. And it's not like she didn't have flaws in this film. Her character, like she's obviously stubborn. Mm-hmm. She's obviously impulsive. Like they talk about her like wild independent side and that could be extremely hard to share a life with. Yeah. <laughs> to have someone who decides to make decisions for the both of you, case in point, when she decides to say that the baby's gone when he's not, when they're not. Yeah. What the fuck? Is, <laughs> we can talk about that here shortly. But it, it, all I can think of to myself is I don't care. I want her. <laughs> like I just that I want that. I want that in my life forever. I think Matthew Perry like, would I, agree with you. Yeah, I was just like, I want I want her to yell at me about not being clean enough in, in our house. <laughs> like I I just need that in my life. I like I always loved her fucking her personality and every single role oh, yeah. she's played. She always brings her yes. fucking sass and and like Salmayak in general, yes. Yeah, 100%. it's like I I love that. That's the kind of personality I work well with. It's like, yeah, I don't want someone I mean, submissive because then I'm I'm gonna feel like I'm I'm gonna be in my own head because I'm gonna be filling in yeah. all the gaps. I don't want someone too yes. domineering because then I'm gonna be like, well, then what's my role? Like, what do I? What do you need yes. me for? I want someone um, in the middle to give me shit when shit is needed. Yes, hundred percent, and. And yeah, and I think this is my favorite role of Selma Hayek's, honestly. Yeah, it just I can see that because I mean, she's I, she's good because she's she's good. She's just she's funny. She's you know she's attractive. She like she portrays all the different all the different things that a woman and a person can be. Like there's so many sides that a human like so many feelings and emotions and you know decisions a human can make that you know could be contradictory and everything else like that it's just it was all very well done i thought um and then that goes along with you know matthew perry's alex Whitman. i think he played the he played the role very well he toned down the Matthew Perry ishness of it. He didn't like go for the gags that often. They didn't make him go for gags often. They allowed him to just play this character. Yeah. I was kind of wondering how he was going to be as a, as a romantic lead. I mean, the only romance I've seen him really a part of is like him and Monica and friends, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. even then it's kind of a, I I always loved their storyline on Friends, but their dynamic never quite seemed right because it, it because of him. It's like I can never really truly take some of the shit he says seriously. Like even when he's trying to be super like romantic and sweet, there's still a part of me that's just like something about you I don't believe, you know? Like whereas I I love you. Could I be any more in love with you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, complete with a sweater vest, of course, too. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so no sweater vests. That was a plus. And, <laughs> and I thought he really, you're right. I think he did a, a, an excellent job of toning back some of the, the gags and the more comical stuff. And he, he did a decent job of making it believable of how genuine he was. Yeah. And, and then the dialogue and the, and the directing did a fantastic job of, of anchoring everything, bringing it down to reality, not allowing this. Cause this is a, this is a storyline based on this ephemeral or ephemeral, excuse me, ephemeral. I always fuck up that word. Fate. Too. I know. Uh, like the whole idea of fate and signs and this and that. Right. And so you could let that like, you know, be the helium filled balloon that carries us off into unrealistic land. You know what I mean? But they anchor it down with a lot of the arguments and a lot of the choices as far as like shots. I mentioned the one shot, like after she tells him the baby's gone and he's at the hospital sitting on the curb in the middle of the park. Yeah. As opposed to like sitting on a bench or like like going home and sitting at his table. Like they have him sitting on a curb in the parking lot in the middle of the sun like of a hot fucking day in Nevada, but he just can't go anywhere because he just lost his baby and the woman he loves. The camera <laughs> angle was perfect for it too. Cause it was like up in the hotel. Yeah. Cause it was distant as fuck. And it just like, and so you're seeing the shot and you're just like, that man feels alone in this vast space Yeah, and he doesn't know what to do or where to go. Yeah. And it was just, like and it was just choices like that throughout the film where it's like this film is not reinventing the wheel as far as a rom com is concerned. It is, as you know, those reviews said a, a fucking a long time ago when we started this podcast episode. Um, but like where it's not reinventing the wheel, this is the same. You know, opposites attract. You know, having to learn to fall, ha- having to learn to be in love with each other while you know being married, sort of thing. Like you've seen these before, you know, the story before, and you know how it goes. Right. Right. But at the same time, they just, they made these choices in the dialogue and in the film that really worked and felt like an argument that I would watch. Well, Um, It would, it gave it some, some realism. It made it, it, like you said, it grounded it back into reality where obviously, yeah, you're dealing with kind of a real situation where, she's pregnant from a one night stand, but Mm -hmm. then we got introduced into their dynamic a little bit and the reality that went along with it. And along the lines of the curb there where he's sitting on the curb, there's also the dialogue they had when they had their fight at the nightclub in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I loved when she, Ask him like, why do you choose to alienate me? I don't know. Back, yeah, exactly. I don't know. That's such a fucking true response. <laughs> such that. a true like, fucking response. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. Like I don't know why I'm choosing the hard way. That's the just, that's the true response that nobody ever actually like says nearly enough. Like yeah, that's what you need to say every damn time. Like I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know. Let's just start there. And that's the thing between these two characters that I actually appreciate is like they're very similar in in ways, which is why they are so attracted to each other and they're drawn to each other. 
they don't know why they choose this selfish path when someone yeah. else is there to love them because i mean probably because this is the first time that this ever like they've ever felt something like this i also I mean, picked up on i don't i don't know if this was intentional or not but he had to me it sounded like he had the ever so slightest like little pause between the i don't and the no mm -hmm. where he was like i don't know whereas like it, it sounded like he was getting a little defensive and he was about to like initially say like i don't do that or i don't that's not what i do or that he was searching for the answer. The answer wasn't readily available because that's the kind right. of fucking answer that takes like years of therapy. To yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and also it, it like kind of, I, I don't like, there's something else that I just thought about. They both had childhood friends that they were supposed to be with, but they weren't in love with. Oh, you're right. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. because uh, what's his name at the at the family uh, dinner? Chewy, the Chewy. Yeah, and and, um, and all then, cops are bad or bastards, whatever you want to call. But like, yeah, like she wasn't quite in love with him. Yeah, and then Alex was definitely not in love with uh, Catherine. Kate, yeah, Kate, Kate, Catherine. Catherine, Catherine, yeah, it was Catherine, yeah, and and so they both know that this is something different, that this is something that they haven't felt before, but they just can't quite overcome their whole, you know, singular ways. Like they're obviously rebellious; yeah. they don't like following the the rules. Like they both have relationships with their parents where they don't necessarily do what their parents want them to do. Yet um, they both feel, it seems like they both feel obligated or they've been obligated in the past or most of their lives to follow certain rules. Like yes. they've had to be a certain person and. But against their will. And it's yeah. just like, they'd rather be impulsive and make their own decisions. And so the, and now they're having to figure out the balance and yeah. it leads to ugly fights like in the in the parking lot or but also the bathroom like yes that the was bathroom that. yes yeah the bathroom fight that was the one that i picked up on where it was like not only was that a good fucking fight in terms of realism like that mm -hmm. was the what they were fighting about was was fairly realistic it was a good solid like well-grounded argument but heated and rightly so but it was also real in like how they were doing it. The camera angle, like you're at the, you're like across the bedroom, looking across it, looking into the bathroom and you mm -hmm. see them in the bathroom. So it's like you're peering into their life a little bit. And then into the bathroom, you see, I wanted to say Chandler. <laughs> you, want, you see Matthew <laughs> Perry. <laughs> Um, you see Matthew Perry behind her and she's like hunched over the, the bathroom sink. Like, I think she's like ripping rings off her fingers or like messing yeah, around on the counter or something. The jewelry box. So if you watch her in that scene, she's fantastic. Like the, mm -hmm. she's not making eye contact with him at all, but the whole scene, you can tell she's listening to every word he says while still yeah. like fidgeting and like ripping the rings off and everything and like doing her own thing. And so it's like, you're really witnessing this couple battle it yeah. out and hash out something and because 
you see the routine, the like unconscious, mm-hmm. like subconscious of a routine. And so they could have an argument and put their focus on what they're saying while they're doing all this, because they do this every single night yeah. like, as far as taking the rings, putting them in the jewelry box, yeah. talking. like this is a routine. This is something that they share because they're actually building a life together. It's like that. You remember the scene in love? Actually, it's completely different vibe, but the, the, um, the confrontation scene with, uh, oh God, what are their character names? I don't are, remember. Is no. it the Emma Thompson and Alan? Yeah, Rickman yeah, 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 yeah. Putting up her dress and saying, yep. be careful there. Yep. When they're yeah, like yeah. getting ready yeah. for bed and everything, it's like yeah. you get a little little insight into their life, their real normal same life. Yeah. yeah. Well, not same sort of vibe because that one was a yeah. marriage at the end of its ropes. <laughs> but same technique or same kind yeah. of. They say, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's good stuff. I like when they do that. It makes it so much more believable. And oddly, like that fight, that particular argument and the way they end that argument, like gives me hope for them in the future as a couple. So like what was what happened? they're actually talking after? it out. Yeah. Like, and that's, they're willing to end the argument with like, you're not my favorite person right now. Yeah. Like, end it there. You know? I feel like that's I, actually I kind like of that. a healthy way to end an argument. Like I'm not ready to yeah. talk this out and we're not making any progress. So let's just. Pause. You're not my favorite person yeah. right now. Let's We're just putting this on the table. Yeah. Tabling this. I'll talk to you another time about it. And yeah, I think that what happens after after is that they probably have a few more kids because you know the sex is great and whatever. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it's Selma Hayek, like <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, and then he probably. Like there's going to be a huge nightclub boom in Vegas into the 2000s and the 2010s. So he probably creates his own company out in Vegas of being a nightclub architect. And he gets really rich off of building places for 20 somethings to do Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Or get roofied. Yeah, he builds a, a life living in the suburbs in a in a in a brightly painted house, taking care of his kids and his wife, and going to mass every Sunday. While <laughs> <laughs> and as he leaves mass, he sees these kids with fucking wrist bracelets on and fucking rolling on Molly, needing to drink as much water as possible. <laughs> yeah. You know, as God intended. Every, so, every time he closes out a new project, he's got to go to confession. Yeah. <laughs> so this film has two kisses, but well, I think there's one obvious choice. There's like the there's big, multiple kisses. But there's the there's big two. finale one, yeah. And then there's, there's the... the finale one. But I think the obvious kiss to me is the first one that they share after the family dinner yeah she's blowing out the candles yeah that's a good one and he rushes over to her and then they open mouth kiss was that was that where he gives her the like i want to bone you right now eyes yeah they both give each other the look like Like, yeah they're they're he's sitting down like 15 feet away from her and he just looks at her and like he like he's holding a baby the same night that he's been told about an unplanned pregnancy. 
and then he's held that baby, gets thrown up on, but then he he takes it in stride, talks about how much he loves her family, and then <laughs> she's just over there being a doting woman, like cleaning up uh-huh. everything, and also just opening her life to him and bringing uh-huh. him into this world that he can't believe it. And so the two of them could not be more hot for each other. <laughs> like there's like not, not even not physically, but on an extra level, like an extra interpersonal <laughs> level of wanting to fuck. And that kiss is just like the culmination of, Oh, like we need to do something about this. But the initial idea is that that's that they're not going to do anything. And then, I mean, I can see why he decides it's like we need to get married and we need to go find a honeymoon suite right now on on me i got you i'm pulling out the fucking amex i mean yeah they start nodding each other in that kiss i'm buying you something at neiman marcus for you i got the fucking caesar's palace honeymoon suite we're going to bone town with this motherfucker <laughs> All from a family dinner from an unwanted, unplanned pregnancy. Not unwanted, unplanned. Um, and to think, but, like, yeah, if you were really it. thrown into that situation as him, like the 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 way he like he steered into it, fucking yeah. admirably. Like like you said, like the yeah. kid throws up on him. He's got this sprung on him right then and there. Now he's meeting her whole family, like all this shit. And at the end of it, he still like gives her the "I want you right now" eyes. Like, yeah, that's a keeper right there. <laughs> that reminds me of something about the movie that's kind that that's tough, but it has to be done. It's the pacing of the movie, where yeah, you just have the one scene between them when they meet, like their meet cute is in that bathroom line, uh-huh. and then the very next thing they've banked, like they, not not like. You don't see the rest of the night. You don't see the lead up. You don't see like if she right. sits at his table. You don't see anything like that. You just see her leaving his bed after she's driven to his place. And they've banged. Like they just. So we've skipped the whole rest of the one night stand night. And just like that's all we get to believe that they would go that far. Right. And so. And then as she comes in, he doesn't have her phone number or anything point of contact but he says he's looked all over for her and it was a phenomenal night and everything else like that he obviously liked what happened but at the same time like you have to have that dialogue in order to provide the reasoning why he would chase her down when she tells him about the pregnancy if he was like just slightly more douche and just like oh we fucked yeah, then this movie falls apart. <laughs> like that's true. Yeah. yeah, he like he obviously felt something. Like you have to believe in the felt something all from that bathroom scene, and so much rides on that bathroom scene. And if you don't yeah. believe that bathroom scene, the movie's kind of fucked. That's a really good point. There's out of all the the things that were kind of well, I guess uh, represented and. And well, yeah, and well, and well crafted uh, about their mm-hmm. relationship, about their dynamic. The one thing that really is lacking is like the beginning. Like we don't have a whole yeah. lot of motivation other than, okay, you guys are having a kid together. You're like, granted, that's 
hypothetically like a very big obvious commitment yeah Yeah. but like from a rom-com perspective it doesn't have the usual like rom-com initial motivation that gives us as we're we're used to the chase yeah exactly and we're used to being convinced like okay i want to see these two together like these are the two like i'm rooting for them now it's like yeah i was rooting for these two but it didn't have that conventional yeah we got we got to all the boys of love before part three (laughs) instead of to all the boys of love before part one (laughs) like yeah we just skipped to always and forever yeah uh, that was a tangent. I give the kiss an A. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd give it a B. I, it, was, it was a solid kiss, but I'm not a big fan of the, the big gnawing kisses. Sloppy kisses, I don't mind. Well, like, that's fair. That's fair. But um, otherwise, it was a good scene. Yeah. And then what's, uh, what's your verdict for the film? Um... I don't know. It's it's not it's not a horrible movie by any means. So I, I it's got to be a fuck. I mean, it's I don't know that I would watch it again, and I don't know that you're missing like a ton of important things by not watching it. But I can't kill it. Like it's a solid movie, and it's definitely entertaining. Yeah, and objectively, I agree with you on that. Like. As an outside viewer, this movie is one that you should watch once, appreciate and enjoy, and move on. I am not an objective viewer, though, <laughs> because I am like of Mexican descent. <laughs> and so I know this movie on a different level. Yeah, this and so therefore I marry it. Multiple levels. Uh, you got like your multiple levels. You got like, your Mexican heritage. You got the, the Vegas Mexican connection. Heritage. Selma the Hayek. Selma Hayek. <laughs> like, and then my mom's connection to her and grandma, which in a way yeah. connects me to my mom in a weird way. And then also my sister Monica loves this movie so much. Like, there's just a lot of connections where this movie brings a lot of pleasant feelings beyond the fact that it's just a fun movie. Yeah. And so I marry it and I'll watch it again <laughs> many times. Probably that is definitely understandable. Yeah. Uh, so you can find us on the socials uh, on our show is at bromancing the stone podcast on Instagram. And that's bromancing the stone podcast, all one word together. Uh, and then you can also find us on Twitter at bro, the stone pod. B-R-O-T-H-E-S-T-O-N-E-P-O-D. And that is where you can find my live tweets like I did this week. I actually remembered. Yeah. That's also where I announced that we uh, released last week's episode a day early on actual Valentine's. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. I had a burp. (laughs) 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 You can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So S-U-P-R Market Sweep. And then you can find my Instagram at Relusa88, and that's R E L U S A A A. And then Max. <laughs> On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore T H E underscore L Y O N H E A R T E D. Boom. And then Max, it is your choice next week. 
for what we watch. So for this one, I wanted to pull the trigger on a movie that I've kept seeing on Netflix the last few weeks. Um, we're going to watch 2018 when we first met. Sorry. <laughs> That's a good good sign that he couldn't remember the title. I was like, I was Uh, trying to remember what what play on phrase it was, which which rom-com type phrase it was when we first met. You know what, Max, you're not slick. I I see what you're doing with this whole Netflix vibe. Like, you're just trying to find movies that you've already paid for by paying for the streaming. Yeah, man, I'm just trying to like, look, we're in a pandemic. I'm unemployed. Like, I got to make the most of my money here. (laughs) I know because we, well, I mean, we we both started a free trial to Stars in order to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I I am not paying three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. I already fucking... canceled the subscription. I too. I totally did that after we, <laughs> after we watched it. I went on to Amazon Prime yeah. immediately on on. You know, just like yeah, I will can cancel this and uh, turn off my auto renewal. I didn't cancel. I turned off the auto renewal. Oh, nice. I nice. got seven days of Stars still. So if I want to fuck around and watch a few more movies, I'm going to do it. But all right. So <laughs> next week when we first met starring Adam Devine and Alexandra Daddario, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of attractive female, mm-hmm. Lead, there's another mm-hmm. one. so <laughs> I, I think Alexandra Daddario is your Selma Hayek for me. Like what Selma Hayek is to me, She's, might be for you. she's definitely up there. I don't know. I, don't, I know what Selma Hayek means to you. So I, I'm hesitant to say she's yeah. that upper echelon. I mean, but the thing is, Selma Hayek has, does have longevity on my life. That's that's also like, true. Yeah. My entire life, I've had a crush on her. And I don't think that will ever go away. That, while that would probably be. In our 20s. That's like that's a tie between like Jennifer Aniston and Rachel McAdams then for me. Uh, yeah, like, well, it had to be Aniston. Aniston's been around as long as Selma Hayek. Yeah, Aniston is the OG uh, celebrity crush. Yeah. I think from my teen years. Yeah, that's friends, that's man. True. Friends, that's a solid choice too. Yeah, that's a solid choice too. Mm. She's a very beautiful woman mm. and just seems cool. Like that's the thing. Both she of these women cool. not only are very physically attractive, but they also just seem like fucking cool people outside oh yeah like so you know yeah yeah fuck yeah man so (laughs) until next week to the tens and tens of listeners we love y'all and we thank you have a great rest of the week we love you guys